following podcast has adult themes and some strong language. This piece of recent history is probably well known in American Canada, but not so much here. Operation Yellow was the name given to Canada's response to the 9-11 attacks in 2001. To take civilian flights out of American airspace and away from potential threats, flights were diverted to 17 airports on Canadian soil. For this to happen, all Canadian flights that were due to depart, apart from police, military and humanitarian flights, were cancelled. The first time Canadian airspace was closed. Through Operation Yellow, Canada played host to 328 airlines, totaling over 33,000 passengers and crew. For the human side of the story, I want to concentrate on one of the places where the planes landed, Gander. 38 planes with over 6,500 passengers and crew landed in the small town that day. This equivalent to approximately 66% of their population. The highest number of planes to land in Canada that day behind Halifax International Airport. With no idea how long the passengers would be stranded, the people of Gander got together to make the passengers feel as welcome as possible. The practical side had to be attended to immediately. Apart from basics like food and drink, medication had to be given out with pharmacies working around the clock to get them out to the people in need. After the immediate problems were dealt with, there was the issue that there were not enough hotels and guest houses for the passengers. The people of Gander and the surrounding areas worked to fill churches and community halls with beds. There was a horrible bus strike on at the time, but they all walked off the picket line and moved into action. The hospitals staffed up. Donations of blankets, clothes and food flooded in. People opened their doors to complete strangers. If the residents were not housing and feeding the passengers and crews, they were entertaining them by taking them sightseeing or holding barbecues. They refused to take money for it, although the passengers later collected for the town. After six days, the American airspace had opened and people were allowed to continue their flights onto their destinations. However, in that time, friendships were forged and memories would be made that were to last a lifetime. What the people of Gander did was incredible. To show so much kindness at a time of so much horror and uncertainty shows incredible sense of character. Of course, I am sure all other places would do the same. Wouldn't they? My name is Jessica J. Garner and this is my life. Hello and welcome to episode four of my podcast. And this week we're talking about my generation. The baby boomers wanted to die before they got old. We were brought up to hope I'm old before I die. So what does this generation lark even mean? The baby boomers were the generation born shortly after World War II. Generation X was the next one, the one I was born into. It was about mid-60s to early 80s. Then there was Generation Y, Millennials, and Generation Z. Who the fuck is making this stuff up? There are huge differences between my generation and the previous. The baby boomers had a specific idea of social norms. In general, you got married, had children, then you were old, around about the age of 40. Women used to wear housecoats and curlers in their hair, 
men wore really comfy cardies. I'm joking, of course. Well, mostly. Now life has taken a different turn. You can be in your 40s and have never been married or had children or you could even be a grandparent. None of them are wrong, despite what the media tells us. We just have more choice. In England and Wales, it was only 1967 that the Homosexual Act was decriminalised for over-21s. It was only then, in 2001, that in England, Scotland and Wales, that the legal age was lowered to 16, the same age as heterosexual couples. For baby boomers, it was difficult to have an open, same-sex relationship. Although the baby boomers did have the swing in 60s and sexual awakening, and we were told about AIDS. Baby boomer feminists burnt their bra, which is not something I would recommend, to give us equal rights, some of which we still don't have today. Our generation was told, if you're a feminist, you're probably ugly, otherwise a lesbian. Yeah, like chance will be a fine thing. Life has moved on and Generation Y and the Millennials are dealing with the repercussions of greedy banks and governments. The Millennials and Generation Z are going to be dealing with the post-pandemic financial crisis too. So what have we learned? Nothing so far. Lead singer of our ha, Morton Harkett said, I don't abuse my body. I don't drink much alcohol. Don't smoke and never have. But that's the same with many people. I don't think I've ever stopped aging myself. I've nothing to add. Honestly, I just wanted to put a quote in by Morton Harkett. It's been said many times, many ways. No, not Merry Christmas. But I wish that I knew what I know now when I was younger. Those sentiments were sung in that happy song Ooh La La by the band Faces in 1973. Band members Ronnie Lane and Ronnie Wood, or the two Ronnies, that was for the British over 40s, wrote the song, and even though Rod Stewart usually did the lead vocals, it was Ronnie Wood's lead vocals that were released. Although it is now the Rod Stewart version recorded in 1998 that is arguably the most famous version. If you're not familiar with the song, pause this now and give it a play on YouTube and then come back. Can't afford to play it here. I'll wait. And you're back. Or you never left. Isn't it a fun song? The story of a grandfather imparting words of wisdom to his grandson. The chorus goes, I wish that I knew what I know now when I was younger. I wish that I knew what I know now when I was stronger. That can be truer. Except for the verses that confirm the old grandfather is a complete fucking misogynist and trying to brainwash his grandson. Want some evidence? Let's start with the first couple of verses. He spoke of women's ways. They'll trap you, then they'll use you before you even know. Then he goes on to say, The can-can's such a pretty show, they'll steal your heart away. But backstage, back on earth, again, the dressing rooms are grey. I mean, I know it was the old days, and apparently it was fine for men to say and do whatever they wanted and did. The only saving grace of the song is the grandson is not so accepting of the words. However, the grandfather reassures him that poor young grandson There's nothing I can say, you'll just have to learn, like me. 
Just remember this when you're dancing at it in some crappy disco at a wedding some point in the future. I tell you, I wish that I knew what I know now when I first heard that song. Back to the present day, and I haven't heard from Ems in three weeks. I've just looked on my phone and their messages left without replies. I would have heard something from Simon or her mother if something was wrong. I'm just sending her a text in block capitals saying, speak to me. I don't think Izzy has been in touch much though. Time has no meaning anymore. It's Ems. She says, I'm fine thanks with a kiss. Oh, well, that's okay then. Don't bother to explain. I'm trying to be positive out of all of this because people are dealing with it on such a bigger scale than me. I can just stay in. I'm not seeing people all the time, so I'm less at risk. I'm still working. Although the thought has been in the back of my mind for a long time now, whether I'll be one of the late casualties from this. Just about the time everyone is going back to work, I won't be. However, I am okay. Izzy and Jason James have been working from home. They even have a three-bedroomed house, so they have two home offices. Jason James got the small bedroom. They flipped a coin to see who would have the largest room, and Jason James lost. Let's face it, if he'd won, he would have still ended up there. Em's hubby Simon works for a large drug company, so he's had a really busy time. I even thought of buying shares in it when the great vaccine race started. I didn't. And I probably should have. He took over a large bedroom in the house and he spends his days and sometimes his nights there. He is always on some international call and I think he struggles being home all the time when he's used to travelling. He worries that as it's working so well, he won't get to travel anymore. They are okay for money though, which is just as well as Em's lost her job in November. She'd only been there about two years so there wasn't really any redundancy. She said she's grateful that she can now spend all day with Samuel without him to work in between. Poor Ems. One of my favourite quotes about ageing is Growing old is mandatory, growing up is optional by Jamaican athlete Chilly Davis. For me, that means you can't help the body ageing, but you can remain young in your outlook. Of course, it could just mean grow up for fuck's sake. Let's pretend for the purposes of this, I am correct. I don't know a person that feels their age. As a teenager, we feel more mature than we actually are. Our 20s pretty much the same. It's not really until we get to our 30s that options come into it. We live in a patriarchal society, which gives the importance of getting married and or having children. I'm not saying these things aren't important. Far from it. It's just that when a person marries, they're suddenly deemed more mature than people who aren't. They call it settling down. Oh, that person has grown up and settled down. Does that mean they're more mature? I'm sure that some people have changed with stability, but does that really make them mature? I see immature married people all the time. They argue on social media or in Tesco. They cheat on their partners. They blame everything wrong in their life on their partner and generally aren't more mature than anyone else. They just get reduced rates on their car insurance. It's also different in company. In someone's house, if there's not enough seats, it's usually the married or people with children who get the seats. I'm relegated to the floor more often than not. 
even though I might be the oldest in the room. I hope this attitude starts to change. It's been a relief not socialising sometimes. In work, I must be mature, organised and appear more confident than I actually am. Very few people know me there. Out of work, I like to be childish though, in some ways. I love a Marvel superhero movie. It helps a lot of hot men around my age. I find childish humour funny, not totally humour. You know, things are just a bit silly. I've been known to get up on the old karaoke night. I sing along to songs in public, even though I'm not a great singer. I dance, even though I'm sure I'm half a beat behind everyone else. Actually, I'm not sure if this all means a young outlook or just trying to squeeze every bit of fun out of this crappy little life we have. Who knows, I still might get a ride through Paris in a sports car with warm wind through my hair. What are we going to learn from TV this week? It's a bit of a tenuous link to Generations, but this week I'm going to talk about the US series Six Feet Under. Like most good series, this was messed around with in terms of schedule in the UK, so some people may have watched it afterwards, like me, with a DVD box set. Otherwise, you may have heard of it but not seen it. If I can make a suggestion, watch it. Six Feet Under began in 2001 and ended in 2005, spanning five years and 63 episodes. It follows two generations of American family. See, there's my tenuous link. The series begins with the death of the patriarch of the family, Nathaniel Fisher, played by the brilliant Richard Jenkins. He later went on to appear in another 21 episodes, and they were not all flashback. His death triggers the return of his long-absentee older son, Nate, who must deal with his grieving mother, his high sister, and the resentment of his younger brother, who would rather be in law school than working for the family business. Ultimately, he decides to stay and help run the funeral home. Coming from the pen of American beauty writer Alan Ball, the series, although dark, is also clever and funny. Or, as Empire described it in their 50 greatest shows of all time, as a wonderful meditation on life, love and grief. For me, it has the greatest finale of any television series. Spoilers here, so please skip ahead if you haven't watched it. In the finale, we watch the time and circumstances how each of the characters, who we've grown to love, meet their death. For a series that oozed great writing and acting, it was the perfect ending. A timely reminder that death can come any time. Or, as Carl Sigmund wrote, enjoy yourself. Later than you think. There have been lots of moments in my life when I thought, that's it, I'm getting old. When I realised I would fit in with the over 25 nights in a club. The moment I realised I was too old for club 18 to 30. Not that I ever once went on those types of holidays. The midlife crisis I had at 30. When I realised I didn't have a clue what was number one in the music charts and didn't care. The first time I saw lines on my face last week. In research for this, I googled the menopause. That was stupid. I didn't need to know. I would deal with it how I deal with everything else in life. When it happens and not before. Not saying it's the best way, it's just my way. So I went to a reliable source, the NHS website. 
It's stated on average most symptoms last around four years from your last period. However, one in every 10 women experience them up to 12 years. 12 years. If that's not bad enough, it goes on to state for some women that it has a significant impact on daily life. That's before they even give you any of the symptoms. I read them and I cried solidly for about an hour. I calmed down and then realised that one of the symptoms is low mood. Then I cried for another hour. Seriously, why? I didn't even have children, so what is the point? It just shows whatever weird and wonderful way some men choose to mess with women. They'll never be as fucking cruel as our own bodies can be. Let me tell you something else about my generation. We are getting older. True of every generation, granted. But my generation live in a wonderful time where we can look younger in photographs using filters and look younger in real life thanks to new surgeries and procedures. Not that all of us can afford it. I certainly can't. I know what I would have done though if I had the money. Nothing drastic or evasive. Not surgery. Just a filler here and there. Bit of a lift or cut. You wouldn't know. I could take a week off and people would look at me and think, ah, looks well rested. As you can tell, I have thought about it. You see the female movie stars around my age and older and you just know this is what they've had done. When they are asked how their skin looks so smooth, they will tell you what wonderful cream they use. I am not saying they don't use that particular cream. I'm just saying there is more to it. We all know it and we all play the game because we want to believe that some people don't just age the same way as the rest of us. Don't get me wrong, some are much better looking younger than others. It's just that ageing comes to all of us. You know what? It doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter how old you are, as long as you have quality of life. The trouble is, while I believe that wholeheartedly, I must be practical. I must look after myself. I must keep earning an income, keep showing people I'm up to the job, up to the next job or the next promotion, up to being able to take care of myself. Employers don't need any excuse to sideline you or get rid of you. When I started work, I was promised that if I keep going, I would be able to retire at the latest 60, draw a pension. Cool bastards took that away from us. It's 67, 68 now, and who's to say how much that will rise? Will I die in what is considered old age and still be working? I could tell you that life is not fair, but it's something we all know. On a positive note, the older I am getting, the easier it's getting. Maybe it's because I know more about myself, or you just appreciate good times more. Or maybe because of the alternative, and you've known good people who've never had the privilege to get this far. Remember the saying, God gives and God takes away. He takes away our youth, but he gives us wine. Sometimes, just sometimes, it's an okay deal. It was the late, great Terry Pratchett who said... Inside every old person is a young person wondering what happened. Harsh but fair. That's enough from me. It just leaves me to say, please come back. I'm not needy or anything, but please. Also, a lot of this stuff is from the internet. And did you know the internet can lie? You can find me on Instagram at excuse the Jess and... Please let's do this again soon. 
Excuse the Jess was written and performed by Jackie J. Sarah. It is a deliciously bright production. If you enjoyed this, please click follow and give us a five-star review or donate via Buy Me A Coffee. All details, including full credits, can be found on the website excusethejess.com. Thank you.